Well, again, if you're new to Theology 101, uh, I'm glad you're here. We're stepping into um, uh, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Tammy led us last week in our kind of first part. We're stepping in now to part uh, two. And and I really do hope that even this week, you guys have been able to kind of been like more mindful of the Holy Spirit's presence in your heart, in your life, around you, at work, all those different things. Um, even in your prayer life, just kind of going, all right, Spirit, guide me, lead me, and so forth. I know that that's kind of been something the Lord's been teaching me um, as of late. But I do think it's helpful for us um, as we step back in tonight just to kind of help remind us, all right, what about the Spirit do we know? All right, so if you were to articulate, all right, what's, your, what's, your, what's the doctrine of the Holy Spirit? What's your, what, how would you give the bullet points or whatnot? What is it? And so just to kind of get us rolling here, here's a few things I just jotted down. Holy Spirit has always existed. Um, He is the third person of the Trinity. Uh, He is fully God. He is a person. He's He's not just a force or energy. He has force and energy just like I have. I provide force. I have energy, but I am not reduced to that. I have a personality. I can think the Holy Spirit, likewise, has a personality. He thinks, he creates, he has emotions, he speaks, he has a will. So we've referred to him as a he, not an it. Although even last week, I was in a prayer with my group, and I said, thank you for it. And I was like, oh, no, no. And I'm like, it's just, it's just we have to start thinking about him as he is, which is he's a person, he's a, he is he is fully God. Uh, he has never not existed. Um, he, he, with the Father and the Son, has had a shared role in creation. He was there in Genesis 1. He was there before creation. Uh, he, like the Father and the Son, has a shared role in redemption, in salvation. And so the Father sends the Son, right? Uh, the Son obeys the Father. The Son is able to, he sacrifices his life, the Holy Spirit then comes on and applies salvation in our hearts and is a part of conversion, regeneration, and Tammy kind of set up last week the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, really emphasizing his role in, in salvation and in regeneration um, and bringing us new life and new birth. Uh, and tonight's going to focus a little bit more on, this, on the side of the, the Holy Spirit's role in sanctification or in helping us grow and become more like Jesus. Um, but with that, I, one of my goals tonight is to help us appreciate the amazingness of the Holy Spirit in us. And I was thinking about a couple different I'm going to tell a couple stories. I'd love to give a couple illustrations. And I'd love to even at the beginning here, in a couple of seconds, share a few just passages of Scripture that I think, if we just really just look, listen to them, I think it would help us go, man, this is pretty incredible. Um, but here's a couple of illustrations. Um, Fifteen years ago, my wife and I were really into a, into a couple reality TV shows. Early married, not didn't have kids. Survivor, any Survivor fans out there? And, and The Amazing Race. Um, those were the two that we were into. Amazing Race, I would watch that show and go, man, I would be the first one out. I would be voted out so quick because 
am not, I'm not an outdoorsy person. I don't think I'd survive. Um, I often think back to like, man, if I was a pioneer, I would have been killed uh, instantly. Um, if there ever was a zombie apocalypse, which I don't think there will be, but I would die quick. Um, Amazing Race, I always watch that show and go, would somebody even want me on their team? You know, like, if, if I was the partner, like, like, would they want me? You know, because I would not be very good um, at some of those things. Well, all that to say, it got me thinking about a couple things. You think back to those, those time period, and it's not too far off, where we didn't have running water in our homes or indoor heating, right? Central air. And I was thinking about this idea of, of how, um, how incredible it is, how thankful I am for simple things like running water, indoor plumbing. Did you know that it was 1833 was the first time the White House got indoor plumbing? 1885, Chicago was the first city that had a sewer system. But by 19... By the 1940s, less than half the homes in America still had, still did not have indoor running water. Um, or think about heat. Having to go out of your home to prepare wood, bring wood in, make a fire, um, you would have to then stoke and motivate to stay, and then it would go away, and then you'd have to do it all over the next day. Both of these things, I'm just like, man, what would it be like to have to go out to get the water, to bring it in, to use it? What would it be like to have to constantly do that? Um, and how thankful I am that we're no longer in that season where it was outside of your home, or that it was temporary, or that was, or, or like even in 1833, between 1833 and 18, or 1940s, only the prestigious or the more elite or the more wealthy had those privileges. You guys know where I'm going with this with the Holy Spirit. There was a season in the Old Covenants where the Lord would guide and direct his people but would do it in different ways. Pillar of fire by night, the pillar of cloud by day. Through prophets or kings or judges he would lead and guide. Um, The Holy Spirit would come upon a few, um, but not all. Not all had the Holy Spirit in them, guiding them, um, and God's people were not marked. They were marked by God being among them. The glory of the Lord would, would, would rest in the tabernacle, would rest in the temple, would go and follow the Ark of the Covenant, and God would lead and be among his people for sure, but it was a different covenant, right? The Holy Spirit was at work for sure, but a marker of the new covenant that we are now in in the church age because of Christ and Christ um, and because of his work in saving us and then the Holy Spirit's work at Pentecost is now, we're out in this church age where now we, it's no longer external, but it's now internal. It's now permanent. We have access. And I just was going, man, I'm so, just like I'm thankful for water and heat in that, you know, like in both of those images. I think our references are images and metaphors that are given to the Spirit. Water, fire, you know, a, a spring in us that gives life, um, and so forth. And so all that to say, just starting there, 
Um, just wanted you to, again, wanting this night to hit at all different angles of like, do we realize the beauty it is to have the Holy Spirit in us, and, it will, and he will never leave us. And that spirit that's in us gives us everything we need for life and godliness and will continue to direct us. But here, here's a couple verses, a couple passages I want us to think about. Well, first let me say this. Um, there's a slide, there's a quote I read in Evangelical Convictions this, 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 this week that says this, the work of the Holy Spirit in the hearts of the believer is perhaps the most distinctive new feature of the new covenant. And I really do believe that. Even every time we take communion, we drink this cup, what we say, this cup is the blood, this cup is the cup of the new covenant, which is in my blood. And that new covenant is a distinctive feature that now because of Christ's shed blood for us, we can not only have forgiveness and righteousness, but because of our sin being removed, the Holy Spirit lives and can live in us, and we are now the temple for the Holy Spirit. But let me read you a few passages. And what I'd like you to do, just listen, but just think about it. These are These are passages that, man, I honestly go to often to think about the Holy Spirit. First one is, is very famous, Ezekiel 36, where he says, I will sprinkle clean, clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness, and from all your idols I will cleanse you, and I will give you a new heart. So you can't follow the law, you can't be made alive, something radical has to happen, and that's this prophetic passage about the new covenant, which is this where it's all about how the Lord, the Holy Spirit, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Now, just so you know, if, just to make a note, if you want to have an amazing passage to read this week, read Ezekiel 37. Now, I don't have it on the screens, but that's the passage where Ezekiel is brought in a vision to this valley, and there's dead bones everywhere, and the Lord commands him to speak to them and to cause them to come alive. And Ezekiel does, and the Lord's breath, his spirit, comes and makes these dead bones alive. And it's just an amazing picture of the way that the Lord's spirit brings life into dead things. Okay? But moving on from there, again, look at John, John 16, 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you, something better. Um, Matthew 10, when they deliver you over, this is talking, Jesus is talking to his disciples, don't be anxious for how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. So he's telling his disciples, when you get persecuted, don't worry about what to say, because my spirit will speak through you. John 16 says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and give it to you, or declare it to you. Acts 1.7, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Listen to these last two, 1 Corinthians 2, verses 11 through 12. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person? Do you guys agree with that phrase? This is a kind of interesting passage. 
But think about the logic here. Like, who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person? It's true. Nobody knows what's in my thoughts except me. So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. But, it's kind of this transition, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. So, in Christ now, in, through the Spirit, you can discern, I can discern and understand the things of God that He wants to freely give us. Matthew 28, and the emphasis here, this very famous passage, is verse 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Sometimes we only quote verse 18. But I think just as I begin thinking about the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives and what he's given us, this amazing privilege to go, and he is always with us. And it's just an incredible promise. Listen, I don't know about you. I was having a meeting with a bunch of pastors today and, and a constant quote that we say is like, no one prepared me for this, a pandemic and how to lead a church, right? But, but all of you can say the same thing. No one prepared me for this, how to lead a family in a pandemic, how to work this job in a pandemic. I mean, that's something that we all have probably thought about or heard or said. The reality is, though, there's part of me that as I was thinking about this talk tonight was just like, yeah, but as Christians, even though we weren't prepared, like we weren't educated around how to lead a lead a whatever through a pandemic man god's spirit is in us that's got that's got to mean something <laughs> and that's that's pretty radical and pretty transformative and and just even that little like oh but god is with me he will help me he will equip me that that changes everything um a couple stories you know i think the lord places in each of our lives God, like these little graces where we experience him in tangible ways. Um, some of it is just those still small whispers that when you're reading scripture and the Lord, some of them are more pronounced where you just feel like, man, I don't know what happened there, but God just protected me. I thought I was going to die and he, something happened miraculous and it moved. You know, I've had a few and I, I just, I just, I wonder, I think we all have them. But just to share a couple that come out when I think about the Spirit's role in my life. When I was around 21 years old, I was invited to speak at a famous homeless shelter in, in Chicago called the Pacific Garden Mission. Um, I was a youth leader, and I was bringing students there, and they said, hey, if you bring your students, would you mind giving, like, the talk? Um, you know, we feed a meal every night, and then you, we, there's a pastor that gives a talk. I was like, oh. Okay, because one problem with this is that, man, when I was 21, I had never really taught anybody. I, and I was scared, and I'm still getting nervous about speaking, but, man, I was so scared. And, and I was preparing this message for three weeks straight. I get to, like, the day before, and I scrap the whole message. I'm like, that's not, oh, it's not going to work, and I scrap it. The day of, I'm, like, rewriting and rethinking. We get there early because we're going to go take a tour, and I just feel like I'm going to throw up the whole time. And then I find out that they, the person giving the talk is supposed to be put on stage. Because it's kind of like, 
you know, it's kind of like one of those gospel churches, gospel ministry, you know, like, like um, you know, and so the person speaking is on stage, so I couldn't even sit, like, and go, like, all right, what am I going to say, you know? And so I'm just up there, and I'm just, like, getting sick throughout all the worship set. And then something happens where I would just say probably a minute before the last song ends, there's just this very real, tangible peace and clarity. Like, oh, I know what I'm going to say. And, and, it, and I, I look at that uh, season, that moment in my life, and I go, man, the Holy Spirit gave me the words because I had no idea what I was going to say, and I, and I did not have peace. <laughs> and I think that was a grace. Now, that doesn't always happen, for sure. It doesn't mean everything's perfect, but it reminds you that what God says, like, hey, don't worry about what to say in that, or I'm going to lead you, or I'm going to guide you, or I'm with you. It's true. Psalm 27, verse 14, I have a little image on the screen here, um, Tammy. Two years ago, I had one of those really discouraging days. I was overwhelmed. I knew the next day was going to be hard with some crazy meetings. I couldn't sleep. But I opened up God's Word, Psalm 27, 14, a psalm that I had read previous many times. But for some reason in that morning, I just remember like the Lord using those words as like healing, kind of like balm, like just like confidence giving. Even to the point where, and I was looking, I just found this note this week. If you look at my, I said, the morning after a hard night. <laughs> you know, because I wanted to remember it. And I think that's, that's the role of the Holy Spirit in us. He illuminates us. He guides us. He gives us this, this moment. These, these, he speaks to us. And then one more reference, one more thing I was thinking of a couple weeks back. I was here. I was supposed to have a meeting during after church, 11 o'clock service ended, noon, I'm here in the courtyard, I'm looking for somebody. I have this, this interaction with somebody, and he says to me, he says, oh, and hey, by the way, so he changes the topic, by the way, I just want to tell you. And he says this phrase to me, he's like, I just want to encourage you. And it was one of those moments where when he said it, it went right to my spirit, like my heart, you know? And he didn't know that I was struggling with something. He didn't know that I was, like, like having to wrestle through something. And in that moment, I go, I felt that was the Holy Spirit speaking to me. And again, the Lord knows us. The Lord's alive. He's living. He's with us. And I guess I just keep encouraging all of us to just be very mindful that, that he is true. His promises are real. His presence in our lives is is guiding us in his so so all that to say um let's remember where we're at so so the the article says i'm not going to read the whole thing but where we're at this week and again i'm already kind of like 20 minutes in so i don't only have a little bit of time here but if you think about the holy spirit is a part of regenerating us but then in christ when we give our hearts to christ the Holy Spirit seals us as his, we're his, baptizes us in, his, in, in Christ, which is a at-conversion thing. It's not like there is other views of the baptism of the Holy Spirit that it happens 
when you have a, like an extra power given to you. And we don't, I don't believe that. I don't see that in Scripture. I see, I see a reference to baptizing to Jesus and the baptism of the Spirit is what unifies you to the body. And it happens when you give your heart to Jesus. And in that moment, you are adopted as well. And then that all happens when you give your heart to Christ, but then it moves you in this journey of sanctification. And in that journey, he leads, he guides, he illumines, he grows, he does all these things. So that's the big framework, right? But again, just jumping into the realities of our union with Christ is that, that, that he gives you a new heart. The Spirit of God dwells in you. You're set free from the kingdom in Romans 8, it says you're set free from the law of sin and death. It's like, how do you explain that? What is it? Like, it's almost like you're, you're moved from one kingdom to the next. You're no longer abiding by these rules. You're now abiding by these rules. Yes, you still sin, but now it does not have any um, uh, deci- decisive victory over, like decisive uh, identity around who you are. You know, like you are now set free from the kingdom of, of sin and death, and now you are in a new kingdom um, and all of that is because you are now given to Christ. And the Holy Spirit is what, is what kind of brings that to, to fruition. So there's this quote that says, in this, spirit, in this spirit baptism, the Holy Spirit bridges the chasm of space and time He takes what happened then, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus, and brings its saving power into our lives now by uniting us in a spiritual way with Christ. By the Spirit, Christ lives in us and we are in Him. So when somebody's baptized at church, they go down, they come up, it's this visible picture of what happened when you gave your life to Christ. There's this union into His life, death, and resurrection. And that's now our new... So that's where when we read Galatians 2.20, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Romans 8, the same power that was in Christ that raised him from the dead is in you. Um, 1 Corinthians 2.16 says, guess what? As a, as, a, as a spirit's in you, you now have the mind of Jesus. What is that? That's crazy. That's, that's what it says. Like you now have the ability, because you can discern the things of God now, he's placed it in you. Colossians 1.27 says that, that um, there's this amazing mystery, and the mystery is this, that Christ is in you, the hope of glory. And so, like, there's this, all these things about this new reality. Um, and Romans 8, I don't know if you guys walked through that passage, but there's this amazing verse, this section about how we are no longer uh, children of slavery and fear, but we're now adopted and children of God. And his spirit testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And so Romans 8, I think it's uh, verse, verse 14 through 16, is one of those really very clear interplays between his spirit and our spirit and how they speak to one another. So I don't know if you've ever had a story in your, in your own walk with Jesus where you go, man, for some reason I was like really didn't quite know where I stood with God. But I had this moment where I go, no, I'm a child of God. Like, there's this assurance the Spirit gives you. Um, and he speaks, and he edifies, and he just kind of says, no, you're mine. You're mine. There's a couple things I'd like to kind of, so the, as you think about the Holy Spirit's role in our life, um, he's our sanctifier, 
and he's our equipper. Sanctifier has a root word, sanctify, so you're set apart, you're holy. But really what that means is as a a Christ follower, when you give your life to Christ, he starts you on this journey of making you more like Jesus, making you more holy. We'll never be perfect. We'll never get to be holy by perfectly, like a perfect Christian, perfectionism, until Christ returns and we're, we're made, given a glorified body. But the Holy Spirit's work in you is progressively changing you and making you more like Jesus. But he's also our equipper, okay? So you have your, the sanctification of the Holy Spirit, making you more and more like Christ. You see that in Romans 8, where he's like, where the scripture says something to the effect of, uh, you've been predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Romans 12 talks about how you do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The Holy Spirit gives you the, his, the fruit of the Spirit now is placed in you. Love, joy, peace, patience, all those become a part. Like, and, so, and so he is sanctifying you and making you more like Jesus. But he's also our equipper, where I believe, truthfully, as we, oh, not truthfully, like truthfully, uh, but, but it's true that in Romans 1, verse 8, says, hey, but I'm going to give you power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And I'm going to guide you and lead you. And my Spirit will help you. You know, Pastor Chris talks about that, that sermon, no, no, wait, go. Like the Holy Spirit's telling Paul, don't go here, don't go here, go here, and I'm going to work in you, and you're going to see God do things. You just trust me, walk with me, see where I'm at work, and go there. And, and so the Holy Spirit's our equipper. Um, and he's equipped us with spiritual gifts. Now, gifts are different than the fruit. All of us have all the, like, the fruit of the Spirit is given to us, and those fruit Singular, but it means all of them, is, is, those are ours. But he's given each of us a specific gift or gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, and so I don't know if you read that section in the book, um, but these gifts that he gives the Spirit are, are for the purpose of building up the body of Christ. It's to equip every believer so that, that in some way all of us can serve the church or serve him. The gifts are diverse, so some, some are more geared towards speaking, some are geared more towards, towards practical like actions, some are more administrative, and, and, you, and I, it's interesting, if you read all those passages, they're very different, like, I, and honestly, I appreciate that, like, that it is, they, all four of them weren't exactly the same, because I think he wants us to not worship them, but no, like, there's different people have different gifts that kind of contribute to their um, to the way that they're wired, but he's given it them, to them um, through his power to be used in the, in the church. They're distributed to each as God chooses, and each gift is important and useful. Um, I'm going to move on just for the purpose of, I'm not going to talk about the charismatic gifts. Uh, you guys can talk about them in your groups tonight, okay? Um, um, I, I want to give you an, a challenge so if you go to gifttest.org, there's so many spiritual gift tests out there. If you've never taken a spiritual gift test, it, it's kind of um, insightful. So if you, and there's, there's a lot of different ones. This one that I took this week is geared around Romans um, 12. And in that, that passage, there's seven specific gifts. And so, I, so those, are, those are where I landed. And I think they fit pretty good. Um, 
sometimes my mind goes to the negative side. I'm like, man, I only have 25% perceiver. Like, what's that mean? Like, I'm not very, you know, perceptive. Um, um, But they're related to the seven that are given in that passage. But I think the ones that are prominent for sure fit me um, in terms of serving the giver, showing mercy, and and so forth. So all that to say, I encourage you, it's free. I think it'd be fun if you did it, and then you talk about it in your groups a little bit, maybe the next week. So, so I'll let your leader uh, discern that. But here's the deal. So he's our sanctifier. He's our equipper. But there is, there is the ability for us as Christians to, to not surrender or, sub, or be submissive to the Holy Spirit's voice and work in our life. And that's where Paul in Ephesians 5 says to him, hey, listen, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's this act of command to his people. Be filled with the Spirit. Um, and, and, so, and so there is a difference between the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the filling of the Holy Spirit. The indwelling is this reality that we have now in Christ that won't ever go away. The Spirit of God is in us, sealing us, baptizes us. Boom, we're his, child of God. But the feeling is this ongoing command for the believer. And you see that in Ephesians 5 because in the context, if you look at the passage, I think I put it up there, um, it says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. The feeling of the Spirit is about surrender and submission to God. The opposite would be kind of grieving the Spirit or quenching the Spirit. The Lord's saying, hey, don't do this, or you shouldn't, you shouldn't, you sh- you shouldn't watch that, or you shouldn't say that, and yet you still say it or you still do it, and you're quenching, you're, you're not listening, you're, you're, you're emphasizing yourself in those moments. And, but it shows that as Paul commands people there, he's like, feeling can occur repeatedly in a believer's life. Indwelling is there, secure forever. But the feeling of the Spirit is about more and more, the more and more I'm surrendered to the Lord, hopefully the more and more feeling becomes just a natural part of my life. But I think it is appropriate to at times pray, Lord, would you feel me now? I mean, I pray that. Lord, would you feel me now? I'm about to go into this meeting. Would you feel me now? I'm about to preach. Would you feel me there? Feel me now? I'm, I'm for some reason, I just feel I'm very like, like anxious, or would you fill me now? Because I'm going to go knock and have this, you know, knock on this door and have this opportunity. And so we can pray that. But you see that the context is of like, don't get drunk on wine. When you get drunk, what happens? Your self control is is limited. Your inhibitions take over, and the Lord's like, no. The Holy Spirit needs to be the one controlling you. You need to make sure you're you're fully aware, so that the Spirit can guide you, so you can be surrendered to the Spirit. So there is a unique difference there. Um, just a couple applications for us tonight. The first one is this. I, I encourage you, something that I've I just been trying to do is articulate the battle that goes on in, inside me. And I get this from Ephesians, not Ephesians, Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, if you read that, talks about this passage that says, You walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for they are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. So when, those, when that war is inside me, like there is this part of me that, 
the reality is, I'm going, Lord, I just really want to go to, I just want to be lazy today. But would you help me? Lord, I'm just really tempted in this way. But would you help me? I'm angry. But would you help me? And articulate the battle brings the Holy Spirit into the conversation. Because you, you can see in this passage, there's these, this war going on. The second one is this, see the Holy Spirit as your true discipler. See the Holy Spirit as your discipler. The Holy Spirit's role in your life is to sharpen you, to grow you, to make you more and more like Jesus. You know, I was, I was taught this little analogy today. Um, I want to share it with you. And I think it's really helpful. As you think about discipleship priorities, what are the priorities that are going on in your in, like As you walk with Jesus, what are some of the things that should mark you to help you grow? And the star is intentional, just kind of helps us five points, and it kind of helps from around, and this is important. So you have up at the top prayer as a part of your faith and your growth. God's word, obviously, community, God's people being in community with us sharpens us. The two down prongs is like postures, kind of virtues that I hope would mark me. You know, there's so many you can choose, but those are the two I pick. Surrender to God, so fear of God, obedience to God surrender to him, and then humility as his posture towards others. Like, I want to be known as somebody that's humble, which entails listening, putting others first, serving, you know, and you have these two posture prongs. But again, if you look at this next, this next slide, it's the same thing, but one of the, the interesting things, I really do think that you need to bring the Holy Spirit into all of it, because he's your disciple. So the Holy Spirit infuses the way you pray, the way you read God's word, the way you step into community going, man, this is the body of Christ. We're the temple. We're the family of God. Holy Spirit, would you help encourage us um, and then help me surrender and be humble? And so, and so I just think the more you see the Holy Spirit as integral to all those is so key. The last one is this, is that create margin and awareness to walk with the Spirit. And that's just a personal thing that I've just been really, really resonating with me this, this new year. It's like, man, if I don't even create space to spend time with God, then I'm not going to listen or hear or even slow down enough to discern what he's saying. And I really believe that as we walk with the Spirit, man, what's that John 15 passage? Like, we need to abide with, with me. You abide with me, I'll abide with you. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And, and I would just say, man, if you don't even have margin in your life to abide or to spend time, then maybe there's some things that you need to adjust. Maybe I need to adjust. And I, I, I do need to adjust. Um, and so that's just this, because when we do that, we allow the Holy Spirit to speak. All right, I'm going to pause there. Thank you. I went a little bit long today, but um, let me pray for us, and then we'll, we'll go to our groups. Jesus, thank you so much for your love. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for um, a new, new realities that God, in Christ, we can know you. We are part of the family of God. And God, we, um, we are now yours. And so God, would you encourage us this night, use us, and God, keep giving us uh, new eyes and new vision to see uh, your desire for us as we grow and live with you. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.